Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, uh, cold, not so cold time, normally a little bit colder this time of year time, the, the coaching carousel, still hot time, knock on wood, Tennessee not involved in that time. Hopefully that stays the case time. Hoops time too, whatever time of day it is, boys and girls. It's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a, a very, very warm early December evening here in Fort Rucker Studio. God's own Knoxville, Tennessee, just a couple miles away from Neyland Stadium, where, of course, Tennessee football is no longer playing this season. The Vols have one more game. It will be a bowl game. We will see what that location is. Lots to talk about on that, the first segment uh, of this episode. Also, lots of uh, lots of hoops to discuss that we'll get to in the second segment of this episode. Lots and lots of stuff to discuss. And to do that, let's go to the chattiest member of uh, GoVols 24-7. Let's go over to that Blount County Satellite Office of GoVols 24-7. Over there in Maryville, get to the one, the only Grant Ramey. Grant, what's up? It's definitely not cold. It's that, it's that annoying temperature where you have to put up Christmas decorations and you kind of start sweating outside that is not inside. Yeah. We, we don't have one of those. Um, our house is, you know, built in 1863 by general Custer and it's, it doesn't, we don't have one of those, the newer thermostats where it like, you know, automatically goes from heat to cold or whatever. You have to kind of like manually do it. And so these days like this, it's like, it's kind of a pain. And I know that's like an extra, that's an incredibly first world problem to be having, um, but not the biggest first world complaint I have, Grant. We have a new refrigerator, and it does not accurately count the amount of water it's supposed to give you when you push the button. And uh, that's infuriating me. And I realized when that happened how privileged I am for even being upset about that. What do you I mean? You can't look at your cup and know when to stop doing it? Yeah, but like it, eyes? it has the function, so why not use it? Oh, I paid my for the gosh. function. I paid for the function. It's like, would you be like, well, hey, my car doesn't have cruise. Uh, my car is supposed to have cruise control when I hit the button. It's not there. You're not saying, oh, well, can't you just hit the pedal? No, no. Let me stop you right there. There's a huge difference between cruise control, very much necessary on interstate, and let my fridge pour me a glass of water because I'm incapable. What? One takes 10 seconds. The other, you can be on the road for 10 uh, hours. No, filtered water from a refrigerator takes forever to pour out, first off. And secondly, what if I'm trying to, like, stir spaghetti noodles or something? I could be trying to I've multitask. Got- you use filtered water in your spaghetti noodles? No, but I could be having to, like, use that time where I could, like, stir it because, like, water's boiling and stuff. You never know. Yeah, okay. 
Okay, Mr. Efficiency, call me, call me when you can't waste 10 seconds out of your day. I'm the least efficient person in the history of the world. Uh, you know if what? If there's I, one thing you should be, it's efficient. That's true. Very true. And, and, and what T minus 23 days or, to, or so since uh, to Letterkenny comes back. Thank God for that. Always a good Christmas present when, uh, when a new season of Letterkenny drops. But Grant, speaking of things that are that are interesting uh, and sometimes efficient, sometimes not efficient, the coaching carousel in college football continues to twirl and twirl. And uh, at least as of this moment, knock on wood, Josh Heupel, still Tennessee's football coach. I, I don't believe, unless anything's happened in the past half an hour while I was doing something else, I don't think Oklahoma's hired a head football coach yet. LSU certainly has, uh, plucking Brian Kelly away from Notre Dame. Notre Dame's going to promote from within uh, to, to fill that vacancy. So still some some big sort of jobs out there, but, you know, it's Josh Heupel's still a Tennessee's coach, still recruiting for Tennessee, still haven't heard anything to the contrary. I think I've knocked on every piece of wood in my home uh, over the past, what, what, three, four days, trying to just be able to sit this one out and let, let's not have any drama. Let's just watch this one from the sidelines because it seems like it's crazier than ever right now. I would hate to be in the market for a head football coach right now, given – all the openings that there have been and those that are filled and, and those that are not filled. But I mean, with, with high pool, it's, it's easy to make that connection to Oklahoma and to think, man, he, he played quarterback there. He, you know, won a national title there, all that stuff. He's a Heisman trophy guy there. Um, but uh, you know, it didn't really end well with him. Did it uh, when he was coaching there? I mean, no, I don't know and, all the details. No. And, and Bob Stoops is still the guy that pulls a lot of, you know, pulls a lot of strings right. over there in Norman. And, and I don't know, for a fact that those two have spoken much, if at all, since they parted ways years and years ago. So I don't, I don't know. It's just that, you know, when you look at the way Oklahoma tries to play the game, that to me is almost the more interesting thing is that Oklahoma, you know, traditionally has those guys who put up, you know, and I know Soups was a defensive-minded head coach, but he had some coordinators, uh, including Heupel, that put up a whole bunch of points. And that's kind of the way they play the game, and and they've rec- sort of recruited to that system a little bit. And you know, I just to me, it, it's interesting because if there hadn't been bad blood there when he left Oklahoma, he would be an absolutely prime candidate for that job. Yeah, I mean, I thought I don't I don't know about prime. I thought maybe if uh, a great okay, people great, turn them down, yeah, great candidate for the job. Okay, a, a really good fit. I mean, I guess because of his past, if if there if there wasn't for that baggage, I don't think it's all. I'm sure it's all not necessarily the worst stuff in the world, but you know, baggage is baggage and stuff can be awkward depending on how things ended the last time you were there. And I mean, Josh had a great year one at Tennessee, obviously to win seven games, to do the way he did to, to flip this offense and, and to make it as productive as he made it in year one. I think uh, anybody would like to, to hire him and, and, and add that instant offense to their program. But even when Oklahoma came open, when we thought it was going to be open because Lincoln was going to LSU or whatever, before he kind of stunned everybody and ended up at USC. It, it kind of felt like to me, like if they got turned down a few times, if some stuff went wrong, then maybe they would go down the road. I did think it was smart by Josh Heupel to go on WNML, whatever day that was uh, a couple days ago this week to kind of, he didn't exactly say I'm not going to Oklahoma. I'm not trying to get the Oklahoma job. He never said anything kind of point blank like that, but he did say they're excited to build what they're building in Knoxville. They're excited. They're already looking forward to year two or whatever they're going to do next year. And, I think it was smart to come out and not just be radio silence through all of it. Yeah, and I think you're right. I mean, maybe prime candidate is too strong of a word. A good fit would be would be a way I would phrase it. But yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying. Sort of 
not too dissimilar from like USC when it hired Kiffin, right? You know, struck out right. on five or six other guys, and then you go, oh well, let's let's try let's bring Lane home now. Difference there is everyone knew at the time, without question, that Lane would crawl on hot rock, you know, crawl over lava three thousand miles uh, for the chance to coach USC. In hindsight, he wishes he hadn't done that, but at the time, that was his dream, and that's what he wanted to do, and. But I do think people assuming that that Oklahoma is like the dream destination for Hypo, I don't know that that's necessarily the case. I, I think he's just a guy who wants to win football games. And if Oklahoma presented that opportunity, hey, I mean, you know, well, <laughs> I don't think he would say no to that. But I, I think he likes where he is right now. I think Tennessee certainly is happy with him. And I'll tell you what Tennessee should be very thankful for, again, knock on wood, Grant, is that when you see some of the prices these coaches are commanding, I know that a lot of the coaches who have been hired to this point have been guys who who command absolute top dollar, top of the market, but but they're starting to, like, you know, reset that market in a hurry. Like, the money that we used to say, like, oh, man, look at what, like, Saban and Dabo are getting, and, and, and now look, but, but, you know, they're Saban and Dabo, like, what they've done – I get it. Now you got a lot of other coaches who are starting to push those kind of figures, and you're like, ah, this market's kind of getting crazy, isn't it? It makes you wonder again why they can't pay the players, but at least outside people can do that now. What What was the number that was like stunning when Saban got it at Alabama? Was it four million? When he got four million, it was like that's yeah, a different universe. He, he was the first guy to get four, I think, and maybe the first and guy that to was, get double digits too, right? That was like 2007, 2006. I don't know, whatever. That was you know a, a long time ago, obviously. A, a, uh, years and years and years ago but the contracts that are there now and what brian kelly did i mean he left one big job for another big job and his last team that he just stunned and left for that team meeting they could still go to the college football playoff it, yeah. it feels like it's only going to get crazier from here because of that kind of move that sets like a new precedent like if you if you feel like you've hit the ceiling at notre dame a place like notre dame that job if you feel like you've hit the ceiling there and you're going to jump to lsu where the dude obviously knows how to win football games. He obviously knows how to recruit elite talent. He, he does not fit like a, the, the cultural fit. We've discussed this. It seems like it could not be you know further from from what they would be looking for. Yeah, him, but him, they, him going to the counter and saying, "I would like a poor boy sandwich, please." Right. I mean that that, that doesn't make any sense. I, I think that's what we were talking about when, he, when his name was first connected to that job. But it felt in even with Lincoln Riley jumping to to USC. I mean, he says after the game Saturday night. I'm not taking the LSU job. Next question. It sounds like he's going to be there for a minute. And then the next day he's gone to USC kind of out of nowhere. Like nobody really, I mean, nobody saw that coming. That's as, that's as bombshell as it gets, I guess, in this day and age with, with the way stuff gets reported. But it just feels like there's a new precedent being set with this cycle and the number of big jobs and the way some guys are jumping ship and, and starting in new schools. And, and obviously with the portal now, the NFL used to have Black Monday. They still do have Black Monday every Monday after the final regular season weekend where all the coaches are fired and all the changes are made. It feels like that's going to happen every Monday with the transfer portal after the end of the college football season. There's going to be a million players going into the portal. It's easier now to transfer than ever. And now your coaches are, are jumping ship, uh, you know, easier than ever, you know, looking for bigger jobs, looking for better opportunities, not shy because they can go to USC like Lincoln Riley and get absurd money, get a private jet whenever you want it. Uh, get your house paid for in Norman, get your house paid for in USC, uh, in Los Angeles. I mean, the the way it's going, it, it's, surely it'll cap at some point, but it doesn't feel like it right now. Yeah, and, and I do my best not not to get too moralistic here because I, I think there's a tendency 
especially as it relates to college athletics, you know, even people who understand it's a business, they reach a breaking point where they just say, you know, how can you do this to, to your, to, to the young men who you've recruited? How can you do this and that and this? And, and, and I got to tell you, I hear you. However, if someone comes to you and says, I'm going to give you a significant amount more money for a much better job, but you got to take it right now because the window's closing if you don't, who doesn't at least strongly think about making that move at the end of the day? I mean, I, I you know, to some point it, it, it's like, what was it? There was that episode or whatever in the newsroom, I think it was, where someone was like, what's the difference between $2 billion and $2.5 billion? Nothing. You're rich, right? I mean, to a certain extent, it's like, how much money do you need? But it, these guys are getting these offers for for what I think people would consider, you know, better jobs where it's maybe easier to win a national championship and getting significant pay bumps and, and getting all these perks that go with it. I'm not going to sit here and condemn them, Grant. I mean, I, it means they would have had to go back on their word to some kids. But you know what? I, I hate that, but that's never going to change. No, I'm, and yeah, don't get me wrong. I, I say go make every penny you can make, wherever that is, however that is, whatever that is. If, if, if your, your value is whatever somebody's willing to pay for you. And right. if you're Lincoln Riley and you're able to get that kind of money from USC and that stuff, and he's going to have an easier path yes. to the college football playoff. He's, he's obviously, he already had, a, you know, basically a California pipeline to Oklahoma, the way he recruited Southern California in that state. I mean, he, it's going to be easier to keep those kids home. It's going to be easier to get to a college football playoff, especially if they expand to whatever, eight, 12 teams, whatever it is down the road. Um, I mean, it's, and it's kind of funny how they, they differ. Brian Kelly almost felt like Notre Dame, without a conference, was getting penalized trying to get to the college football playoff, trying to win in the college football playoff, trying to take that next step. And it feels like because Oklahoma is going to the SEC, maybe Lincoln Riley goes to USC where it's easier to recruit. He has less competition. He has an easier path to get there. But I, I 100% agree. It's it's never going to be uh, easy to leave, and you're never going to have a good exit because you have to deal with the players that you recruited to that school. I mean, Brian Kelly obviously did not cover himself in glory the way he left Notre Dame. <laughs> he Irish, but there's he, no he, he Irish goodbye the Irish. Right. He did what you and, did to, and, to my family at, at our at my, at my wedding. Just left. And the pun, the pun in me, and the dad in me, the dad joke. I love the Irish goodbye when you're leaving Notre Dame. But there's really, I mean, in all seriousness, there's no good way to leave a job where you leave those that team feeling good. I mean, it's just, it's just not there. But I, I agree. If you can get that money, if you can make your life a little bit easier at the same time, uh, go do it. Yeah, I mean, because it's one thing to sit here and, and stand on a high horse, and as we all do at times. I mean, we all, even you, Grant, who have no opinions, occasionally you will feel, you know, moralistic about something, and you'll even say it. Occasionally. Occasionally it happens. But we, Or get used to it. Yeah, well, you know, just very occasionally. And some of us do, do it more often than others. But... I'm not going to do it here because I, I don't know. I guess maybe all these changes in Tennessee have become sort of numb or jaded to things. But but I also, I think, you know, like it wasn't easy. And this is on a much smaller level, but like when I left the Chattanooga newspaper, I never wanted to leave those guys. I just got an opportunity from 24-7 and I was like, I, I can't say no to this again. Like I got to go. And, and you just you just have to do what you have to do. And, and I, I hate that it happens to the kids, but they have the portal now. They have ways that they can get out of things if they need to. Uh, so I, I think it, it just sort of is the way that it is now. As it relates specifically to Tennessee, we will see. I, I think we live in an era now when coaches are either like fired or extended. That's just sort of the way that the thing goes. I would imagine Josh Heupel is going to have a better-looking contract when the dust settles on this 
than he had last year. I think that's probably fair. Um, I think they've exceeded expectations. Now, I'm not saying that you throw silly money at him, but, you know, especially if he's – if other people are even thinking about kicking the tires with him and, and you combine that with what he's done at Tennessee, I, I think some sort of a raise extension is probably fair. I mean, yeah, you, you want to do everything you can to sit out this this round, this carousel. You want to do everything you can to sit out next year's coaching carousel. And the year after that, Tennessee needs to sit out of these things for as long as they can because they need that kind of continuity. They need that kind of building. They need that kind of normalcy that they've not had for the last 10, 12 years, that consistency, that continuity, that this guy's going to be your coach for a while. He's not going to get poached. He's not going to get himself fired. He's not going to, you know, whatever. They need somebody that can be here for a few years, build something, and if you got to give him a little bit of a raise and a little bit of extension to do that, do that because, I mean, who would have thought seven and five in year one, even though you go back and look at my season prediction, not to brag, I picked that. Go yeah. ahead. I see you there. Go you, ahead. You, 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 got the, you got the SEC record wrong, though. Well, what's, I'm not here to talk about details. I'm just here to talk about big picture. I think you need to keep your coat <laughs> for as long as you can. And somebody needs to tell Josh he had a really good year one. and he's, he's more loved by this fan base right now than the last few coaches have basically at any point uh, in their tenure. So he's got a good thing going here if he can keep it going. Yeah, and we'll see. I mean, you know, there's still a little bit to go. I never say never on this stuff because I've covered Tennessee for way beyond uh, too long. And and I can tell you, I think we all can tell you, we've all been covering Tennessee for a hot minute now. Uh, I I don't think any of us will ever say never again. I just, I think that's, it's, it's silly uh, with the experience that we've had around this place to ever say never. But to this point, it looks like things are in pretty good shape for Tennessee. There will, however, be at least one absence from the bowl game, uh, whatever that bowl game is. Still not sure that's going to be announced uh, on Sunday, uh, most likely. And there's still a lot of moving pieces at play there. Tennessee could go to any one of four or five different places. We could speculate on that a little bit, but we know what those three or four most likely bowls are, so we'll just see where Tennessee fits in there. Regardless, Alante Taylor will not be participating in that. He will be getting ready for the Senior Bowl. He will be trying to get healthy. Uh, he will not risk playing in that game. Uh, he's gotten this point to the finish line, and, and, and I think everything that he has done at Tennessee, uh, I give him a total free 100% pass on this. I know some people have been a little bit upset about it, I never, ever, ever question a kid in this situation. I think he's going to the Senior Bowl. He feels like he can get healthy. He, he's played through some injuries this year. He's helped his stock. And, and frankly, Tennessee can go out there now and get some reps in a bowl game to a guy who's going to need those reps next year. So I, I just don't see a lot of downside in this. Am I being a little bit naive about that, Grant? No, I mean, I think this was a big deal when it first started happening. I don't know what was that, two or three years ago, it feels like, when these yeah. things were or much more, I don't know, newsworthy impact decision. I think it's one thing if your team's in the college football playoff and they're depending on you and they really need you, whatever. Uh, but if you're Tennessee, if you're a 7-5 football team, you're going to a bowl game. Um, if you're a guy that like Alante Taylor that's, that's given what he's given to the ten- University of Tennessee, an in-state kid, a kid that's been here through coaching changes and everything that they've kind of weathered and stuck through it and, and kind of the impact he had on this team throughout the season, um, the leadership group he's a part of with the, the veterans on this roster, how they kind of helped settle the ship uh, for this year one under Josh Heupel and, and kind of all the, the positive vibes and only stuff that we've been talking about the last few months. I think when you put in together all that context, if he can focus on his draft stock for the next however many weeks, and because of that, if that improves his draft position one spot, then I think it's worth it to go do it because you're trying to get every penny you can get out of your rookie contract you're trying to get every penny you can at the next level. You're trying to 
you know, like like Josh Heifel said, it's not a developmental league. If, if if the opportunity is there and you can find it and you can take advantage of it and make your career out of it, that's the goal. And I think if this helps you take that step, then it's a good move. Yeah, and, you know, I've seen a lot of people being like, oh, this means that now the number one receiver or whatever is going to have to be guarded by Warren Burrell and all. And to my, my response to that is good because right. you need to see what this guy can do. You need to see – you know, what's life going to be like for him without Alante Taylor out there? Alante's played pretty much not every snap, but but a vast majority of the first-team snaps all season long, obviously. He's been the number one corner with a bullet all year. Uh, but at some point, you're going to need to see what you can do without him there. You know, Burrell's a guy who, let, let, let's see let's see what he's got. Let's see how he can handle that. And let's see on the other side, let's see what a Kamal Haddon or Brandon Turnage or, or you, know, some, you know, some of those younger kids, see what they can do. I mean, I... I to, if that if Tennessee loses its bowl game because one of the corners gives up a touchdown pass that doesn't happen if Alante Taylor's on the field, even then, I don't know that I that I care. I'm not saying bowl games don't matter, but the point is to get to the ball to get the exposure, and the the result of that singular bowl game almost never determines the way the next season goes. I, I've seen Tennessee you know, get blown out in a bowl game in the next year and win a national title. I've seen Tennessee look like a world beater in a bowl game, come back the next season, have a losing record. I don't think that matters at all, frankly. And I think the the bowl game is just kind of a bonus unless you're in the playoff or, or something of that nature. So I, I think I see nothing but benefit from this because you, you, you get to see what you have in some of these other guys. And it's in a game where it's not like you have nothing to lose, but – uh, it's not. I think there is just a lot more positive than negatives through that. So that that's that's my opinion. I know that that Grant, you at least agreed with some of that. We don't need to harp on. And I I just I, I hope that people will understand why Alante Taylor's doing what he's doing, and understand that this kid has given Tennessee a lot through a lot of changes. And if if he wants to make this decision, he at least got the team through the regular season. He didn't have to play those games when he was banged up, but he did. And he got him to this point, and now he just kind of sees the finish line, and you know he wants to get what's his. And I got if I'm not, if I'm gonna say it's okay for coaches to do that, well, you damn sure better be okay with players doing it. I got no problem with it at all. And, and you got cookies too if, if you're able to take advantage of that. He got you cookies. Yeah, he gave you picks, cookies with what his you, interceptions. Yeah, what more do you want? You got free cookies out of the deal. I mean, I, I don't. I, I agree that the point is to get to the bowl game. Winning and losing the bowl game is not that huge of a deal. I don't think there's a bad scenario for Tennessee because you could go to Florida and get a Florida bowl game out of a season where you didn't really expect anything or worst case scenario, probably you go to Nashville and you have a a big advertisement in the middle of the state for your football program. You have that however many days you're over there to have that presence. So I don't, I think the, the point, like you said, I agree with that. You get to the bowl game. That's the biggest thing. The next thing is if you win it, that's great. It's a nice springboard into the off season, but that's all it is. It's springboard. It does not determine the next season. Do you have any any thoughts, Grant, on on where Tennessee, you know, could or should go, or what would be best for Tennessee? Because I I am honestly sort of trying to formulate an opinion on this, and I don't. I just don't know that I have one. I think there are benefits to being at a Florida game when you didn't expect one, and I think there are benefits to to getting maybe a slightly lesser game and being able to play a lesser opponent, and having a better chance to to have some, you know, whatever whatever momentum you can get out of it. I, I just, I don't know that I'm not going to say it doesn't matter because it does, but I, I just don't get the sense. I don't have a great feel for where Tennessee's going right now. And I don't know who does. 
No, and there's always a push for the Florida Bowl games. Uh, you know, administrators are going to push for that uh, for whatever reason because of the stature of those bowl games, I guess. If, if you could go from what was expected in August to the Outback Bowl, I think that's a pretty big jump. That's a pretty, you know, pretty noteworthy accomplishment uh, to get to that bowl game. I think if you get to Jacksonville and the Gator Bowl, Tax Slayer Bowl, whatever it is these days, there might be a little bit of fatigue there because of the number of times Tennessee's played there over the last, what, seven, eight years. Um, and if, if all else fails and you go to Nashville, if you stay and stay, I don't think there's anything wrong with that because you can never have too much of a presence inside the state, your home state, where you're trying to recruit and you're trying to own um, all that, every bit of territory inside the border. So, I mean, I don't, I don't really think there's a bad scenario here because Tennessee won seven games. They've got an opportunity to win eight games. And, and regardless of where it happens, they're going to have that opportunity. They're going to, they're going to have that extra game. They're going to have all these extra practices. I mean, that's another, that's another spring camp that you can't really take away. That's however X number of practices that you would not get if you did not uh, get to bowl eligibility. So the fact is they're here. And if they get to a Florida bowl game, that's great. If they don't, if they end up in Nashville, that's fine too. Yeah. And I know, I know there are people who will, who will disagree with that. And, and I respect that. I, I, I don't, I, I don't have a problem with that take at all. I, I just don't, I don't know that I think getting to the bowl game and getting these 15 practices is probably what's going to matter more. And what's going to matter more than any of that is how Tennessee finishes in, in this recruiting cycle. But we'll have a lot more episodes to discuss that over the coming weeks. There's a lot going on. I can tell you can tell in the background now Gus wants to talk recruiting because he's just barking down there like a like a like a crazy guy down there outside the door right now. But I, I think in, in terms of. Where things are, I think Tennessee's going to kick the tires in the portal, going to try to take you know as many as seven guys there. They're going to try to sign a full boat of 25 guys. They're, they're certainly – they've added a, you know, a commitment this week, probably going to get at least one maybe in the next couple of days. So things look okay from that standpoint. I think, Grant, all we can say on that is that Tennessee sort of needed to get the ball rolling a little bit more there, and it looks like that's happening. Sure. I mean, this is the the brave new portal world that we're facing. I mean, the success you can have there can completely change uh, the expectations, the, pers- the perspective, the whatever of your recruiting class. So if they can do work in the portal, if they can uh, add that portal work to whatever, however they finish this class, uh, this is just kind of the new world we're living in, especially with the number of uh, not only kids in the portal, but the talent in the portal, the names in the portal. Um, they get, seems like it gets bigger every year. I think it will get bigger every year. It's going to be a, a bigger play, a bigger portion of, of how you recruit. Yeah, and it'll be a bit of a disappointment because Tennessee had, a, a, I think, a pretty decent chance there initially to take a swing and get that Jameer Gibbs kid, the running back from Dalton, Georgia, uh, who's at Georgia Tech, who has just, to me, is one of the most under-the-radar exciting running backs, certainly in, in the southeast, but perhaps even anywhere in college football. He's a really dynamic player, but now I'm not sure Tennessee's going to be able to to swing that. I think you got some of like you got Bama's another kick in the tires there, so that that's going to be tough. But there there will be others out there, and Tennessee probably needs to get it back from the portal, so that's going to be something worth following. We'll obviously have Ryan Callahan on in the next uh, you know several times in the next couple of weeks as things kind of wind down. I know it's another it's a big 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 couple of weekends for Tennessee. Uh, with official visits, the coaches have been out on the trail this week recruiting, and then they host some kids over the weekend, you know, including Walter Nolan, who's obviously planning to be in town. So that's a huge one to see if Tennessee can 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 try to take a swing at getting that five-star, the local kid, away from A&M, which would be a tough pull, really tough pull. I don't think it's going to happen, but they're at least going to stand in the box and, and take a swing at it, which, the, which they should do. So there's lots more to discuss there, lots more about football we could spend 
a lot more time discussing that, but we're going to have a couple more weeks until signing day and then, you know, a couple weeks after that to break all that down. But we do need to get to basketball because the 13th ranked falls have a lot of things worth talking about there. Before we do that, though, we're going to take a quick break, going to listen to some products, services, in-house ads, other fun things, and be back here in just a just a hot minute here on the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Money! eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on an unseasonably warm early December evening here at Fort Rucker Studio, just a couple miles away from Neyland Stadium, Old North Knoxville, talking Tennessee football and basketball. Obviously, we're covering all of East Tennessee, or at least the Knoxville area right now, because we've also got Grant Ramey from the Go Vols 24-7 Blount County Satellite Office down there in Maryville, talking Tennessee football, basketball, lots of fun stuff, recruiting, all kinds of good stuff on this edition of the podcast. But before we get back to talking a little bit about Tennessee, specifically basketball, Please, guys, take about a minute, 60, 90 seconds out of your day right now. Please go in there and subscribe to this podcast and rate and review this podcast. If you're just listening on the website, there's nothing wrong with that. We love you. There's no wrong way to consume this podcast. What helps us out more than anything, though, is if you go in there on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeart, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world you can cast the fine pod, you can find this Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We do this for free. And we're happy to do it. It's a labor of love. No skin off our backs. The only things that we ask for, please tell your friends, which always helps, rate and review and subscribe. That helps us get more people, more wolves in this wolf pack as we've done for the entirety of the time that we've done this podcast. The numbers, I can't share them. I wish I could. But I can tell you this. They they just go up every single month, every single year. And, you know, we, we love y'all. If you're already doing all those things we ask for, thank you. We love you. If not, go yourself that that's our that's our policy uh, and i know some people think it's a little too firm but i'm not backing down that's the policy that, that is what it is grant lots of stuff going on with tennessee basketball uh, i guess since the last time that we've had a podcast tennessee's uh, or, or at least talked hoops on the podcast tennessee's played a couple of games 
a bit of a lackluster first 25 minutes and then a really strong final 15 minutes in a comfortable win over Tennessee Tech and then just an absolute destruction uh, of Presbyterian on uh, on what was it Wednesday night Tuesday night I don't even know what day it is anymore earlier this week Tuesday night Tuesday night at Thompson Bowling Arena the 13th ranked Vols won 86 to 44 over Presbyterian which which you know normally has Jesus on its side but when you're playing Reverend Barnes and his Vols uh, you know that that cancels out and that's what you get you get a 40 plus point loss so uh, without Josiah Jordan James coming off the way that they played against Tennessee Tech I thought Presbyterian was a really good step in the right direction for Tennessee. Regardless of the opponent, Grant, that was about the most like a Rick Barnes defense that I've seen Tennessee look this season, I thought. Really really good defense, uh, a lot of steals. I mean, Kennedy Chandler went from from not practicing very well on Thanksgiving Day and, and not playing all that great uh, early against Tennessee Tech when Tennessee struggled in that one on Friday, and he kind of got called out for it after the game, and – and basically what was getting called out was you're so good offensively and so quick. And I think electrifying was the term that Rick used. And then he, he turns around and challenges him to be just as much, you know, electrifying and use that quickness on the defensive end. And, and what he, what he answers with is seven steals against Presbyterian. I think that tied a program, a single game program record for Tennessee. So to get that kind of response after getting called out, I think that's huge. Um, I think to hit shots the way they hit shots, I mean, Justin Powell, that's exactly what you expected. Uh, what Tennessee fans wanted from him when they came from Auburn was to hit those kind of shots. Victor Bailey, who had not hit those kind of shots all season. If, if he's not hitting shots like we've talked about on this podcast, it's hard to keep him on the floor. And if you can go four for eight, that's a huge night because he'd only made three of the first, what, five games of this season. So Correct. if they're going to hit shots, if they're going to play defense at a fraction of that rate, and later on if they're going to add Josiah Jordan-James back into this mix, uh, they can be a pretty good basketball team. Yeah, it's just – I agree with you completely on Bailey. And, and I just – this might sound obvious, but I don't I don't know that it's, as, that it's quite as obvious as it sounds. Tennessee, to me, has always looked like a much different, much more dangerous basketball team when to, – to paraphrase a friend of the pod, Ron Slay, whenever – whenever, you know, Victor Bailey gets that flamethrower going. It just seems like the floor spreads out even more. The defense has to react to both different, you know, both wings at the same time. He can also go in there and, and kind of dribble in there and throw one down when you're not paying attention. It, it's just – Tennessee just always seems so much more explosive when he's got it going. I mean, go back to look at Villanova when, when nobody was hitting shots. And Villanova, obviously, that's a really good basketball team. That's a completely different test. There's foul trouble. There's there's a lot of stuff going on there that went into the Tennessee not playing well in that game, but a, a, a big part of it came down to they just couldn't hit shots. And if, if you can't hit shots, you, it's hard to keep up with a team like Villanova. That, that's as veteran as they are and as talented as they are. Um, when they are hitting those shots, yeah, the floor spaces out. It, it suddenly appears like you have a ton of depth. When you're not hitting shots, it feels like you don't have anybody. Uh, it feels like no matter what five you have on the floor, it's like man, is this really your best five? I mean, it's just a completely different-looking basketball team. If, if Victor Bailey can consistently hit shots, I'm not saying hit four every night, but just consistently hit a, a nice percentage of his shots. If, if Justin Powell can give you something, obviously he's not going to go five for five every night, uh, but if he can give you just a fraction of what he gave you. Uh, and then you add Josiah. He's not obviously not a big scorer, but he's probably your best rebounder. He's, he's got some of your best length and, and defensive capability. Um, he's going to kind of be a glue guy. If you add that back there, then, then suddenly you have a ton of depth on the wing. So it's, it's a matter of how consistently can they do that? Because there was a stretch 
last year where, where Victor Baylor Jr. was absolutely on fire. Yeah, I think it was. was like seven for 10 against Kentucky, uh, just a stupid number, and like four for eight against South Carolina. I mean, it was like he hit like 12 for 13 over the span of like four games. And then the rest of the season, I think he, he hit only maybe one more time. He had more than three point uh, three made three-point shots in a game. So it's going to be a matter of can these guys do it consistently and, and if you are Victor Vader Jr., if you are Justin Powell, how much can you improve your defense? How can, how much can you help this team defensively? Because neither of those guys, obviously, that's not their strong suit. Yeah, because, I mean, and, and I, I'm not going to speak for both of us here, Grant, but I'm going to speak for myself, and I'll, I'll let you chime in. At least from this from, at least from this angle, Kennedy Chandler is an infinitely better shooter than I thought he would be. I mean, we all knew how good he was, how, how he, despite being six feet tall, he could get to the rim whenever he really wanted to. He's so quick. Uh, the way he changes direction and changes tempo, changes pace, just makes you so uncomfortable as a defense. He can make any pass out there. But in terms of just purely sitting back there and knocking down shots, he is a lot better. Has a, I mean, that's like a velvety soft shot that he's got. It just looks really, really good. I mean, it feels like if, if he's open and the shot doesn't go in, it's like, man, what happened? What were we wrong on that one? Why, why didn't that one go in? I mean, that's the – it's almost like if he's open, you, you expect him to make it almost every single time. And, and that's from – that's a floater. Uh, that's from the three-point line, whatever. Wherever he is on the floor, wherever he's getting his shot, yeah, it feels like you expect it to go in just because of the kind of player he is. I mean, he hit a lot of big shots. He played on a lot of big stages uh, at Sunrise Christian in Kansas. Uh, I mean, he played for a, a prep national title. Uh, back in, I guess that was March, April, May, whenever that was back in the spring. So he, he's been on a lot of big stages. He's played with a lot of really elite talent around him uh, against elite talent. And it feels like right now, at least, obviously it's early in the season. They haven't played the meat of the schedule yet, but it feels like the bigger the moment, uh, the more he wants to show up and do something. Yeah, and, and what I say that, that was sort of the first part of, of sort of a, a multi-step thing here. I, I think we know that Chandler's shot – at least is is a little bit better, and in my case, significantly better than I, than I thought it would be. And then there's Powell, who just about every time he squares up a shot, I think it's going in. Like I, I think that that it's it's one of those guys that, and I think in the second halves of games especially, he's going to be a guy who, when you've been sitting there trying trying like hell for for twenty twenty five minutes, twenty eight minutes to keep guys like, you know, Kenny Chandler and Ziegler in front of you to try to run around with Vescovi all the time. You got, you know, Fulkerson here you're having to pay attention to. And then all of a sudden you got Powell sitting there and you can't leave him because you're you're chasing all these other guys around. And then the second you leave him, someone pops it out there and he hits a three right in your face. And those are the guys who just irritate a defense like crazy because it's already hard enough to go sit there and chase around those little guards. Now you, you, you know, you just can't leave that wing because wherever he is, that ball could go in, in the hole. And if you don't pay attention to him, he'll go down there and lay it up or dunk it on you too. I, I mean, he, he's got a guy who defensively, I think he's even more limited than Bailey is, but what he's doing offensively right now offsets that because last I checked threes count more than two. And, and you're not asking either of those two guys to do a ton. I mean, you're asking them to give you, what, 15 minutes off the bench yeah. um, and, and just hit some shots. You don't have to be the leading scorer. You don't have to be the guy that takes the most shots. Just find your spots, get open on the floor. I mean, Kennedy Chandler, he said it the other night after the game, he tells those guys, you just find your spot, I'll find you, and you make the shot. You'd be ready to shoot it. I mean, that's his message to them. And, and you trust a guy like Kennedy, the true point guard, the guy that's played that position his entire life and, and is as skilled as he is, that he's going to find those guys. He's going to get to his spots and get those guys open, create space, whatever. 
Um, and, and once he gets the ball there, uh, take your shot and, and you just have to make it, you know, you just have to provide a little bit off of it. You don't have to be a ton. You're not going to be relied on like you're the leading scorer, even the second or third leading scorer. Just play your 15, 20 minutes a night, whatever that number is, hit a couple shots, and you can help this team in a big way. Yeah, and with with James being out, and I guess we'll, we'll talk about that here in just a second, but with Josiah Jordan-James being out, that's talking, depending on what game it is, you're talking 30 to 36 minutes, you know, because he's almost never going to play less than 30 unless it's a blowout. And for the big games, he might play 36, 37 minutes. That's a lot of minutes in a game that are vacated for as long as he's not out there. And there are four players getting those minutes right now. And these are guys who a lot of them would play normally anyway, but they're getting more minutes. And that's Powell, Bailey, uh, Brandon Hundley-Hatfield, and, and Udoj Plavsic. Those are the four guys getting those minutes right now when you look at the box score. Because guys like Ziegler are going to play anyway. You know, that that you know obviously Chandler is going to play, but Vescovy is going to play. Fulkerson, Kumwa, those guys are going to play. You know what you're going to get there. Those guys are there. But then there's those other spots, and because of James' versatility, you got different options there of who you plug and play. Right now, I got to say, it, it looks to me like Powell and Huntley Hatfield, at least on a more consistent basis, are the guys emerging as guys who are taking advantage of this. I mean, Powell, I'm sorry, Huntley Hatfield, he, he 100% looks the part. I mean, he looks like he's 22 years old, not 17 years old. And it, it feels like just with him, it's just a little bit of confidence. Like, can he. Uh, kind of get to that next level confidence to, to get out on the floor. Because I think he knows what he needs to do with the basketball when he gets it. I think he knows the spots he needs to get to. I think he knows how to operate once he does get the ball. It just sometimes he short arms shots a little bit around the rim. looks like maybe that's a little bit of nerves. I, I have one shot in my head against North Carolina where he just kind of short armed it for no reason when he could have just handled his business like he always does. But, yeah, I would be all about investing in a guy like Brandon Holy Hatfield or even Jonas, I do. Uh, Jonas, I do. If you can get him off the bench and get yeah, him some more minutes, if you can minutes. get him there, yeah. Right. If if you can, and the big thing with him is going to be playing catch up after missing the time he missed uh, during the preseason. But yeah, I, I would be trying to invest as many of those minutes right now in, in these type of games. Obviously, you got a couple tough ones coming up, but you have some others like UNC Greensboro and whatever coming up on the schedule. If you if you can invest those minutes as much as you can in those other guys to see what you can get out of them, I think that's the. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a basketball coach, but I think that's the best use of your time because you got to figure out what you're going to get from those guys before uh, January, late December gets here and, and you're starting the SEC schedule. Yeah, you got some of those tough ones coming up, but then you've got, you know, more of your gimmies like your UNC Greensboro's, your Memphis's, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Uh, yeah, Yikes. I, I don't, yeah, I, we, we could spend an entire hour talking about everything that's going on there. My goodness, I know they don't have a point guard and they could use one, but. You know, goodness gracious, that's a lot of talent that's doing absolutely nothing right now. But but in all seriousness, for Tennessee, that, that's a lot of – there are some games coming up. You know, Colorado, that's uh, going to be a road game, the first true road game of the season. And before we talk about that, Grant, have you heard anything? I know Rick said uh, Thursday, earlier today as we're recording this, that he was not sure on Josiah. I kind of find that hard to believe, but what's the, what's the latest there? Shout out to every coach that – ever in the history of sports that has never talked to the trainer before going to hold a press conference. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the first words out of their mouth. I haven't talked to the trainer. Well, then why are we talking to you if you haven't talked to the trainer? That's a different story. Like that's not the the first conversation you're having every single day when you wake up. (laughs) Right. When you roll into the office, you're not like, Hey, how's Josiah today? I mean, I asked Tuesday night if surgery is an option because he's been out for so long at this point. They said surgery is not an option. And uh, I, they think he's on the mend with it, I think is the way Rick Barnes said it, which you can believe because he's been out for the time, amount of time he's been out and they haven't done anything surgically to repair it. 
Um, he's still not practicing. He, he's doing warm-up stuff before practices with the team, and then he's not doing anything contact-wise. Um, I don't I don't really know how to gauge that. Like, if he's not practicing, it feels like to me he's still a little bit ways off. But at the same time, you need him in Colorado, and you need him against Texas Tech because those are two big games against two tough opponents that it's not going to be easy to win, and you want to have those guys in those minutes in those games. At the same time, you don't want to rush him. So I, it feels like they're not going to rush him. They're going to let him call his own shots here, and when he's ready, he's ready. Um, but right now, if, you, if you're not practicing, uh, it doesn't seem like to me that you're ready. Yeah, and, and Colorado is an interesting game because it is on the road. You know, you're playing at elevation, which is, is interesting. You know, you never know how you're going to react to that when you haven't done it. Certainly, I mean, Tennessee's not at sea level or anything. Knoxville's not, but, you know, Boulder's a different animal. Uh, Colorado's an interesting team uh, because you know that team's well-coached. It always is. It's got a really good basketball coach over there. And that that's a team that – it did lose the point guard last year who had done everything for four years, basically been such a great player, but there's a couple of, a couple of guys on that team that are still there. They did go to Poly Pavilion on Wednesday night and lost by 12 at UCLA, which it's not the worst thing in the world. UCLA is a, a bona fide title contender and that's a, that's a tough place to play. And you know, Hey, they were only, they only lost by 12. I mean, that's not, not that UCLA was ever in danger there because Colorado kind of closed it a little bit later, but Still, I mean, it, it's on the road. It's the first challenge for a lot of these guys, and it does not seem to me like there's any chance that Josiah Jordan-James plays. So it'll be interesting because you're not going to get a lot of these opportunities before you open the, the SEC play, I believe, in Tuscaloosa against Alabama. So you've got to take advantage of these opportunities and get something out of them while you can. Yeah, it is It is at Alabama to open it. It feels like they have Alabama, LSU, um, Arkansas, I think, really early on in the SEC schedule. I mean, those are uh, three of the tougher opponents that you're going to draw all year just based on recent experience between Tennessee. But, yeah, I mean, you, you've got Colorado, that first true road game, that's big. You've got Texas Tech uh, playing at Madison Square Garden. That's a big deal. Um, I don't know really where Texas Tech is in terms of their program and everything going on there. They're, they're, receiving, that's a, that's they're receiving votes in the poll, so they've still got some 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 players there. But still, it's the Jimmy V Classic. It's Madison Square Garden in New York. It's on a big stage. That's, that's a big deal. So that's another chance for them to respond uh, or to kind of, I don't know, to test what they have. You have Arizona coming out the 22nd. That's a huge test, a lot bigger than we thought it was going to be uh, a few weeks ago after what we've seen from Arizona so far. Oh, that team looks good, man. And, and Memphis, they can look like they have no offense and they can look awful and they can lose at Georgia and they get blown out by Iowa State in, in the preseason NIT and all this stuff. But at the same time, it's still going to be a Tennessee-Memphis game. There's still going to be probably bad blood there. There's still going to be, you know, a lot of tensity in the air. and It's going to be a chance for Tennessee, um, regardless of what Memphis has looked like, it's going to be a really good test, a really good chance for Tennessee to show what they have. So, yeah, you're, you're right. You, you have so many of these games left before. Uh, before Alabama gets here in the start of the SEC schedule, and you don't really take a break after that. So um, whether whether Josiah is ready or not, you know, this weekend, we'll see. But they need him back at some point because you, you got a pretty tough schedule coming up. Yeah, and Texas Tech, it's hard to know much about them right now. I mean, they, they, they've they've – They've only lost one game. It was on the road at you know at Providence, um, which 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 is a pretty solid team. But you know the others have been blowout games against teams that they absolutely had no chance to lose to. So I don't really know a ton about them yet. But Colorado's the first one up, and that'll be interesting to see how Tennessee looks there. Because I mean, again, you know, you never play on the road before, and you you got to you're not going to have you know Josiah Jordan James tends to be a kind of a steadying force out there in some of those road games. He doesn't get rattled. Uh, so now you're going to have to have guys like Fulkerson step up and 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 be the guy he's supposed to be. You got to be the guy who calms people down. You got to hope Kenny Chandler doesn't get rattled because you know they're going to throw stuff at him. They're going to try to get him in foul trouble. 
Uh, and, and so you're going to need your 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 Vescovies and your Fulkersons and, and those guys. You know, Olivier Kumwa, who who to me is looked better than I thought he would, and I've always believed in him as a player, but he's starting to finally show that, what he can be. So a lot more to like than not like, but still some questions to answer going forward, right? It's it's a very – and here's a here's – a, I don't know, I guess a question for you. It's a very unique road trip situation. Can you remember a two-game swing on the regular season schedule where they just went – they didn't come home? Because Tennessee left. They practiced Thursday afternoon. Um, in Knoxville, they flew to Denver Thursday night and bus to Colorado. So they're going to be, that's unusual in its own right, because it's usually fly the day before the game. And then you're there game day. And then you fly home. This is they flew Thursday. They'll be there Thursday night. They'll be there Friday. They'll practice um, at Colorado's gym Friday. They'll play Saturday an afternoon game. When that game's over, they're flying straight to New York. They'll be in New York by Saturday night. And they'll work out Sunday, they'll work out Monday, they'll practice, I mean, they'll play Tuesday, and then they'll fly home late Tuesday night. So it's a two-game, uh, what, four- or five-day road trip, which is which is kind of unique outside of tournament play. Yeah, I, I think it's happened before around the holiday schedule. I don't know if I remember it during the Barnes era. I don't remember it at all during the Barnes era, but I think it's been done before. I'll tell you who used to do it a lot was the Lady Vols. Uh, the Lady Vols, right. the right. Lady Vols used yes, to do a lot of those. trips like that. Because uh, I like remember Stanford and UCLA or something like yeah, that, like West Coast trips. Yeah, and then they might stop at like Texas on the way back or something and play there, and then come back to Knoxville or you know so so you know, or Chicago because I know Pat Summit used to love Christmas shopping there on Michigan Avenue, and so they would try to you know occasionally play a game up around Chicago or New York around uh, around the holidays so she could go do shopping there. She loved doing that. Uh, so, so they, you have your your reasons, and this time of year is not a bad time to do it, as long as guys are you know taking care of the business academically, doing all that stuff. Uh, then, then I, I I don't see any problem with it at all. It is interesting though because it makes it feel, I don't want to say like an NBA trip because NBA you're playing a lot of back to backs and on the road in terms of like 24 hours or you know 36 or 48 hours after. So. It's different, but, you know, if these guys are going to play at the next level, they're going to have to kind of get used to this, right? I mean, this is sort of what you do. You go away for, you know, five or so, five, seven days, and then you come back home, and that's just – you might go to Chicago and then Denver and then L.A., and then you're back. So, Right. I, th- I think it's it's something that – Rick Barnes said it Thursday. It's a big week for them. Um, it's, it's, it's a couple big tests. It's a couple big stages. It's a, it's a couple, you know, like we talked about, the first true road game and then that big neutral site, neutral game stage. Uh, at the Garden uh, on Tuesday night on primetime on ESPN, all that stuff. You're, you're going to know a lot more about this team on the back end of this trip, just like you knew a lot more about them coming home from Connecticut, uh, you know, and, and all these big-time non-conference games down the, down the road here. You're going to learn a lot about this team over the next, what, five days. Yeah, and I'll tell you this. If Tennessee goes out there and plays the way it should play, even without Josiah Jordan-James, I think these should be two wins. Um, but, you know, you still got to go out there and do it. There's no – there's no certainty. Obviously, it's you know it's a, it'd be a home game, basically a homecoming game there for Zakai Ziegler, getting an early homecoming matchup in his Tennessee career, getting to go back home. I know he'll want to go put on a show in the Garden if he gets a chance to. Um, but you know it's it's interesting because this is this is what you you do, and you know before too long you're playing in the SEC where sometimes you're going to you know you're you're playing in Ole Miss and then you're going down to Baton Rouge or you're going down to College Station or flying over up to Missouri or Lexington and then coming back and hey, this gets you ready for it, right? This is why you schedule these games. You, you want to get your team ready for the start of conference play, and you want to get your team ready for the start of the postseason. And I think the schedule 
is designed for Tennessee to do that. So we'll see, Grant. I know you'll be out there on the road a little bit too. Uh, I will not be because the due date for my wife was today. And as you can tell by no crying baby or the fact that I'm not at UT Hospital right now, uh, Hank has not decided to enter the world yet. So you'll be gone. I won't be. But uh, there will be some interesting things to uh, to discuss the next time we have this podcast, Talking Hoops. You're telling me this kid's late? Yeah, right. West Rutgers it. West Rutgers' father? I, I am not near – being on the same staff as Ryan Callahan means that you are never the latest person anywhere, ever. It's like it's like when you're running from a bear. You just don't want to be the slowest person Exactly. In group. Yes, the bear's always going to eat Ryan. Always, 100% listen, of the time. Listen, I joke, but you've beat me to a few arenas this year, a few stadiums, so who am I, I to joke? I wasn't going to say anything, Grant. I wasn't going to say anything. Well, honestly, that's because I'm, I'm trying to get away from a pregnant wife right now. So, Who, who amongst us? Who amongst us? Yeah, cast the first stone. You know what I'm saying? That's right. There you That's go. Right. Who amongst us? Gray, got anything else before I step on out of here? I, you never do, but I think I'll go ahead and try to ask anyway. I never do. Go go knock on wood and, and get that baby out. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna work on that. We're we're trying. We're trying to do that. I, I, th- I think your part of it's over, by the way. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, yeah, because I, I, I think unless it's uh, – basically I'm going to go there and I'm just going to be the, the Shane Beamer in the hospital. I'm just going to clap and be happy no matter what happens. That's what Listen, I've, give, I've given you my advice, and it's off-air advice. Yeah, there you go. No, I, I, I agree with that. But no, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go Shane Beamer, and I'm going to wait till. You know, it could be like a like a like a special teams, like a touchdown when you're down by 30 points and you celebrate like you won the Super Bowl. That's my plan. That's what I'm gonna do. So even if he's ugly, I'm gonna stand up and cheer and go, yeah. So that's yep, my pleasure. yours. <laughs> Thanks, man. See you, Grant. See ya. See if I can find that button. He always does that. He always does that. I'm gonna leave it on this time so you can know how rude he is when he does this. He could wait. He could sit there for two and a half minutes and do that, but he doesn't because he's rude and because he sucks. Now that I got that out of my system. <laughs> Thanks, y'all, for joining us. Thanks to Grant for being on this edition of the podcast. But more importantly, thanks to y'all for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. If you want just Tennessee news on your feed, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7 and get tons and tons of stuff there around the clock. No shortage of good stuff on there ever. But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the tap. Go get that at GoVols247.com. The best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball, Lady Vols coverage where Maria Cornelius does an excellent, excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all year long. We got access to, to two forums that run around the clock, the checkerboard and the summit where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week and talk about anything that isn't political or religious in nature with those of us who are on the staff and thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, people in every zip code, based not every zip code, every time zone, at least every zip code, then we'd really have some money, then we'd really be rich. But every time zone, no matter what time of day it is, somebody's out there wanting to talk Tennessee sports with you. We also got what a couple dozen fresh content items, Tennessee-related, pretty much every day between us and between the – the national network of guys, tons and tons of stuff there. Best databaser in, in the business. All, all kinds of stuff. You get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That's all it costs. And that's after a seven-day free trial. And by the way, most people who do the free trial, they stick around because it's worth it. And if you do that and you pay us that money, you get access in perpetuity. 
as long as you're paying us, you get access to Paramount Plus, which used to be CBS All Access. Now it's Paramount Plus. It's a growing behemoth of a streaming platform from CBS Viacom, where you got every show CBS has ever made commercial free, tons of exclusive stuff, Mayor of Kingstown, Evil, Picard, all, all kinds of great stuff. You know, exclusive movies that are only on there. Tons and tons of good stuff there. A-list types, Hollywood stars, box office icons. A lot of those people there got classic movies, got new movies. You got stuff from the vaults of CBS, as I just mentioned. You also got stuff from the vaults of MTV, BET, Comedy Central, Smithsonian, and Nickelodeon. Something for the entire family. Also, live and on-demand sports. You get SEC sports. So obviously, you got the Vols. You got uh, NCAA Tournament, March Madness. Uh, NFL, Europa, uh, NFL, PGA Tour, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, Serie A, World Cup qualifiers. Guys, that's just, I could go on and on. But that's like, that's a $100 plus annual value that we'll give you for free. So for the holidays, you got a Tennessee fan in your life, give them several hundred dollars worth of stuff for a hundred bucks. They'll think you've given them like everything. And you've really not spent that much. That's the best holiday gift out there. No supply chain worries either get somebody something that looks like you've just given them everything really it's not that bad go do that if nothing else guys you should hear from us uh, here a couple days if nothing else if there's no big breaking news before then so until then be good to each other have basic human empathy be kind to each other be safe too see ya